All right, well, welcome those of you tuning in on Wednesday night at Mount Airy Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Grateful that you've chosen to watch with us. Grateful that you folks are here as well. Before we get to the Bible study, I wanted to say to you and even those that are watching online, uh, I want to explain to you what our schedule is between now and the end of the year for Wednesday nights. And so it's going to be uh, different from here on out. So I want to just go over the schedule with you. So let's talk about Wednesday nights for a little bit. Today, of course, is November the 17th. We're going to be talking about Between Sundays. That's the Bible study we're currently doing. Tonight is part three and the final lesson in that brief series, Between Sundays. So that's tonight. And next Wednesday night, there will be no services here. That's the, the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, and of course, we traditionally don't have a service right before the night before Thanksgiving. A lot of you are cooking and traveling and all that. So next Wednesday night, no services. And then on December the 1st, here's what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to ask you to come on that Wednesday night, but we're going to ask you to come and do prayer walking around our campus as we prepare for Christmas at Mary. We want this to be more than just, you know, some kind of flashy event. We really want God to use this to help us to reach our community. Uh, so you come and prayer walk and or help with setup. I'm sure Rob could always use some extra hands. Uh, in getting ready. And so we're going to devote that Wednesday night, December the 1st, to prayer walking the campus and helping out where needed. Then, December the 8th, there will be no service that night because uh, Christmas at Mount Airy starts on December the 10th. So again, a lot of preparation going on. That's going to be a six-day event, three this week on this particular week and three the following week. So no service on December the 8th. Then the next one, December the 15th is our Lights of Love service. This is the annual service we have for those who have lost a loved one this past year. Uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, you haven't yet signed up, there's still time for you to sign up for Lights of Love. Uh, it's a time to honor your loved ones and a time uh, for God to minister to you as you grieve the loss of those uh, family members in your, uh, that, this past year. So that's December 15th. And then December 22nd, right before Christmas, the 29th, right before New Year's, no Wednesday night service. So, I think that covers all of the dates, if I'm not mistaken. Is there the next slide? Okay. So, you know, just leave it right there. So, that's where we are heading between now and the end of the year. Tonight is our final study in this three-week Bible study called Between Sundays. Uh, and really what we've been talking about is this, that Coming to church on Sunday is a big part of your discipleship process. It's an important part of learning what it means to walk with God. But the question is, is there something I should be doing between Sundays? It's good to come on Sundays and kind of get my tank filled again. It's good to come on Sundays and worship with God's people and sing and all of that. It's good to come on Sundays and go to BSF and be taught in Bible study or come and, and hear a message. But is there something I should be doing between Sundays? So in the first week, here's what we talked about. One of the things you should do between Sundays is to dive into God's Word. That is, on a daily basis, you open up your Bible and let God show you the truth that you can only find in the Word of God. Let God show you how to live your life the right way. So between Sundays, don't just come on Sunday and open your Bible in BSF or come on Sunday and open your Bible when I'm preaching. But between Sundays, we really should be diving into God's Word becoming self-feeders in God's Word. And so we talked about that and how we do that. And we've tried to make this a very 
practical and a very personal study. So that was week one. Week two, we said, also last week we talked about this, walk in the Spirit. That the word walk in the Bible is often a metaphor for practical daily living. How do you live out your faith? That's really what we're talking about. So we're not just coming to, to church on Sundays and kind of declaring we have faith, but we're walking in the Spirit between Sundays. And, and don't let that phrase, walking in the Spirit, throw you. It simply means that you're on a journey and you're trying to live out your faith in God and you recognize you can never live out your faith in God in the human flesh. We only live out our faith in God in connection with or in relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit came to live within us. Because it's impossible to live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. And we looked at Galatians 5.25 that says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so last Wednesday night, I gave you this little formula, if you will, steps to Christian growth. We said that the Spirit of God teaches us the Word of God and empowers us to live in the will of God. So that's kind of the summary of the first two weeks of this study. We talked about the Word of God, and we talked about the Spirit of God. And in this little formula, Steps to Christian Growth, it kind of explains how those two things work together. That the Spirit of God teaches us the Word of God and empowers us to live in the will of God. So between Sundays, you should seek to live a life that's guided and controlled by the Holy Spirit and live a life that is, practically speaking, guided by God's Word. So between Sundays, that's what we're trying to do. Let the Holy Spirit guide us in God's Word. Now, tonight's topic is the final topic in this series between Sundays. And tonight's topic is this, make lordship decisions. Between Sundays, this is going to be a challenging study. I'm going to tell you that right now. Between Sundays, in addition to opening God's Word and letting God's truth seep into your spirit, and in addition to walking in the Spirit, asking God to help you live out your faith, between Sundays also, you have to make lordship decisions if you're going to be walking with God. Uh, let me kind of show you how this works in everyday life. Uh, so you've got one Sunday and you've got the next Sunday and in between those two days every day I should be saying God do you have a word for me and of course he does and as you're reading God's word I would always 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 suggest that you have a strategy. Let me tell you what some people do, and I'm not trying to be mean about this, but some people say, well, I don't know where to read, so I just open it up, and that's what I read today. Now, listen, opening up and reading it is better than not opening at all, right? But you're, likely, you're more likely to put God's Word into practice if you have a strategy for what you're reading, and you're more likely to be disciplined to stay with it, rather than, I'm just going to open it up and see what I find today. So... Between Sundays, I'm going to dig into God's Word and then recognizing that the Holy Spirit of God lives within me to help me live out God's Word. I'm going to seek the help of the Holy Spirit to live out God's Word. And then, if I'm, watch this up here, if I'm doing these two things, it will lead me to have to make Lordship decisions. If I'm doing these two things, I will guarantee you, you will be faced with lordship decisions. Let me explain it to you this way. Uh, the steps, if you will. Let's go back to that. Uh, steps to Christian growth. The Spirit of God teaches us the Word of God and empowers us to live in the will of God. Next, next one. 
There we go. The Spirit of God teaches us the Word of God and empowers us to live in the will of God, but we have to choose to make lordship decisions each day. Now, I want to show you this in Scripture, how we have to choose to make lordship decisions each day. Go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. By the way, I don't know, can you all put a clock on the TV back there? My watch died, and so, uh, there you go, thank you, thank you. Okay, I, I, I can see it. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, that, what's the heading in your Bible over Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. By the way, do you know what day of the week that was? The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and Pentecost occurred on a Sunday. All right? Keep that in mind. So, as the Holy Spirit comes into the lives of the believers, it was, of course, a very dramatic event. Peter then speaks to the crowd, beginning in verse 14. And what I want to get to is verse 21. As Peter is preaching to the crowd, he's quoting from the book of Joel, the Old Testament book of Joel. And at the end of that quotation of the Old Testament book of Joel, Peter, again, quoting from Joel, says this in verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the, what? The Lord will be saved. That word there means master. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the one who is master, will be saved. Alright, so skip on down to verse 36. In verse 36, Peter is still preaching. It's still regarding Pentecost. It's, and here's what he says. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. I want you to see these three names. I started to bring a board out here and just kind of outline it, diagram it for you. But imagine, you, he said, God has made this Jesus, that's the name at the top. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, and then if we would draw a line on each side, Lord and Christ. Let's talk about those two titles. Title Lord, I just told you a moment ago, it really means master. It means the one that's in charge. God has made this Jesus. They knew the name Jesus. He's preaching to people at Pentecost. They were very, very familiar with the name Jesus. And he says, God has made this, this person you know as Jesus. God has made him Lord. Lord of what? Master of what? Lord of everything and everyone. Master of everything. And God has made him Lord and Christ. Do you know what the, the name or the title Christ means? Messiah. God has made this Jesus to be Lord in charge of everything and Messiah. He's God's appointed one to be Savior of the world. Now, so that was in verse 36. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all, who, all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and there were about 3,000 added to their number that day. I want you to focus on the next few verses with me. What happened right after Pentecost? What happened right after, basically, this is the birth of the New Testament church? What happened then? What did the New Testament church do? Verse 42. Here's what they did. They, the New Testament church, the new believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, and selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Watch this next verse, verse 46. Every day, not just on Sunday, remember Pentecost happened on Sunday. What did they do during the week between Sundays? Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Now here's the verse I want you to see. Before I read it, let me have your attention. Let's just look up here for a moment. In verses 42 through 46, it's describing what the New Testament believers did, right? And what they did every day. Not just what they did on Sabbath, or, or rather what they did on Sunday, but what they did every day. Each day of the week, this is the way they lived out their life. And if you were to take the time to study that, we don't have the time to dig, to dig into it, but if you were to take the time to study that, you would see that they were living out their lives with Jesus as their Lord. And it's significant when we come to verse 47, that last verse, what it says. Well, let's start at verse middle of verse 46. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord. It's not just a title. It's a description. The Lord, the Master, added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were in essence, making lordship decisions. They were living their lives with Jesus as Lord. They were making lordship decisions. You say, well, well Keith, you, you may be making too much of this. Well, go over one more book with me to the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, Paul writes to the church at Rome, and he says this beginning in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, salvation itself hinges on your willingness to declare not only Jesus as the one who forgives your sin, but you're declaring Jesus as your Lord. So if you take that verse and understand what's happening in the book of Acts, these people were making lordship decisions, and the Lord added to their number every day as they continued to make lordship decisions. 
Now go back to Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, and let's read that again, because I want to read a few other verses. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Master, and believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. Notice the emphasis here. It's not, calling the, it's not referring to the name of Jesus. It's referring to this title of Master. The same Lord, the same Master is Master of all. And richly blesses all who call on Him. Who call on Him how? Who call on Him as Lord. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see that, that, that title again, that description. He's not just listed as Jesus in verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Between Sundays, we all have to make Lordship decisions. Your daily decisions reveal your daily priorities. And as we read the Word of God, and as we walk in the Spirit of God, the big question is, what will we do as the people of God? Will we make a Lordship decision? Because the reason I spent so much time in this initial path, these initial passages is because from the very beginning, the moment of salvation is a Lordship decision. It's not just a forgiveness decision. I want Jesus to forgive me. Now, certainly, we need and want that. But salvation itself is a lordship decision. From the very moment of salvation, it's a lordship decision. And it's not just a lordship decision the day you're saved. It is a lordship decision throughout your walk with God. You're declaring Him every day. Be Lord. So, i got two key questions I want to get to real quickly. And uh, we'll look at lots of different scriptures as we look at these two questions. The first one is this. Why should Jesus be Lord in your life? Why should Jesus be Lord or Master in your life? And thankfully, Paul answers that question for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you take God's word, find 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning verse 17. First Corinthians chapter six. Let's start in verse sixteen to get the context. Paul is talking about sexual immorality in this text. And in order to explain how believers in Jesus should conduct themselves in in regard to sexual immorality, Paul says in verse sixteen. Do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. In other words, th this fact that you have united yourself with the Lord at salvation... The fact that you've united yourself with the Lord at that moment of salvation, it should be lived out in your daily life. It will bring about lordship decisions in your daily life. So Paul goes on to say in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits 
are outside of his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And then he explains why this is such a big issue. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Paul says you were bought with a price. So you should use every part of your body to honor the one who is Lord over it. See if this makes sense to anybody. If God bought your body, that means he is Lord over it. That's the case that Paul's making here. Flee sexual immorality because the one who bought your body, the one who paid for your sins, is Lord over your body. So flee sexual immorality. It's a lordship decision. So here's what I want you to understand. Acknowledging Jesus as Lord of your life is a total reorganization of your priorities in life. And every day, you and I are faced with lordship decisions. Will he be Lord in this area? So, here's what I want you to see. What are the rewards of living this kind of lifestyle? That's the second question. What are the rewards of living this kind of lifestyle? What are the rewards of practicing lordship? Might be another way to answer or ask the question. Let's go back to the book of Acts. And I'm going to answer this question in three different ways. The question is, what are the rewards of practicing lordship? Acts chapter 4. The first answer is this. Practicing lordship leads to power in your life. Practicing lordship, declaring Jesus is Lord of your life, and living like he's Lord of your life in your daily decisions, that leads to divine power in your life. Let's look at the text, the story, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Peter and John were arrested uh, for preaching. They were taken before the Sanhedrin. They were threatened, and then they were released. And it says in verse 23, beginning of verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, that is, to the, to the other believers. They went back to the young church, those new young believers, and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. But notice how they prayed. They prayed, Sovereign what? Sovereign Lord. I don't think that's a coincidence. Sovereign Lord, the one who is master over everything. Sovereign Lord, they said. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then he, they're quoting the scripture here. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord. There's the word. And against his anointed one. That they were quoting scripture there. Then they go on to say in verse 27, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power... Now they're talking to God, they're praying to God. They did what your power 
and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now. What's that next word? Now what? Lord. They don't say now God. That would have been appropriate. Now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Practicing lordship leads to tremendous power. That's how they had the power that they had is because of this idea, you are sovereign Lord, and this is not just a, an, uh, a temporary decision. This is a lordship decision. How should we respond to these people? Um, in fact, if you go one more chapter, chapter 5, uh, let me show you how this lordship decision played out, practically speaking, in their daily living. Chapter 5. Apostles are persecuted by the religious leaders for what they continued to do in preaching Jesus. Beginning in verse 27, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Look up here for just a moment. They had already been arrested once. They had been threatened. But they, they went back and reported to their people and they began to pray and they called upon Sovereign Lord to help them. And this, they decided that this was a lordship decision and they asked for great boldness. They didn't ask God to take away the problem. They asked for great boldness because this was a lordship decision. And so they prayed and the, God gave them great boldness. And the Bible says they continued to speak the word with tremendous boldness and power. And so they were arrested again. They were brought before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin said, we've threatened you once, we've already told you, you shouldn't be doing this. Why are you continuing to disobey us? Next verse. Peter, verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. It's a lordship decision. Peter would say, listen, we've already decided this. We've already decided as we live out our faith in Jesus, we're going to obey God rather than men. Had tremendous power, tremendous influence because they had made the lordship decision. And when you make those kind of lordship decisions, it leads to power because you are living for Him and honoring Him. All right, so... That's the first. What are the rewards of practicing lordship? It leads to great power. Number two, the second reward is this. Practicing lordship leads to stability in life. Stability in life. Would you take your Bibles and go with me uh, to uh, Luke chapter 6? Luke chapter 6, Jesus talked about this idea of lordship. Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Let's just pause here for a second. A lordship decision is not just using the name Lord. 
A lordship decision is something you live out. It's a decision that affects the way you live your life. So Jesus said, why do you call me Lord if you're not going to allow me to affect the way you live your life? Why are you calling me Lord if it doesn't change anything in your daily living? You see, if I could put it to you this way, on Sundays, it's easy to call Jesus Lord because we're around a lot of people and, and we're all doing that and we're singing songs about Jesus as Lord and we're praying to the Lord and, and we're talking about the Lord and we're reading Scripture about the Lord and it's easy to declare Jesus Lord on Sunday. But between Sundays, between Sundays, are you living out the, your faith that He is Lord? And so He gives us this illustration to help us understand the value of living that way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Then he says, I'll show you what he's like, who comes to me and hears my words, and I will show you what he is like, who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house and could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground with the, without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus said, do you understand the value of not just calling me Lord, but living as if I am Lord? Do you understand the value of, uh, if I could use this terminology, this terminology between Sundays, living as if he's Lord, making lordship decisions. It gives you stability in life. Let me go on quickly to the other two. Um, what are the rewards of, of practicing lordship? I've given you two. Here's number three. Practicing lordship leads to a better knowledge of God. Practicing lordship leads to a better or a deeper Knowledge of God. Look in Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Look up here for just a moment before we get into the text. Steps to Christian growth. The Spirit of God teaches us the Word of God and empowers us to live in the will of God. But, we have to choose to make lordship's decisions each day. Or, if we don't, if we don't try to make a lordship decision and to live out what the Spirit of God is showing us in the Word of God, then that Word is not of any value to us. That's what James was talking about, really. In James, James's letter, he said, you know, when you come to the Bible, you look at it, it's like you're looking at a mirror and you walk away and you forget what you saw because you didn't do anything with it. You're going to live it out. And so, here's the, the third reward, if you will, of practicing lordship. Practicing lordship leads to a deeper and a better knowledge of God. Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, there's the word, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever 
be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me, watch this, I like verses 4 and 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And teach me. For you are God my Savior. My hope is in you all day long. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. Those are wonderful prayers to pray, but if you're not living out that lordship each day, then he can't show you. He can't lead you. He can't teach you. All right, so quickly, let me get to the last one. The fourth reward of practicing lordship is this. And this may be my favorite simply because it's so familiar to all of us. Practicing lordship allows us to benefit from his leadership. Let me say that again. Practicing lordship allows us to benefit from his leadership. What do you mean by that? When was the last time you read Psalm 23? Look at Psalm 23. I want you to, as we read it, I want you to realize the psalmist is talking about the benefit of having the Lord lead his life. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because the Lord, the one who is the master over everything, that's the one who is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. David is telling us the benefits of lordship. And the benefits of lordship is that we benefit from his leadership. You see that how he's talking about the benefit of his leadership. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. And he restores my soul and he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm benefiting from his leadership because I'm submitting to his lordship. The Lord is my shepherd. And then he says in verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Who is with him? David said, it's the Lord. My Lord. My shepherd. Then he goes on to say, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David understood that when you practice lordship, you get to benefit from his leadership. Man, if we could just learn that. If we could just convince ourselves of that and say, you know what, that makes sense. That if I'm practicing His Lordship, I get to benefit from His leadership. You see, there is a practical, common sense reason for letting Jesus manage and control your life. Can I tell you what the practical reason is for allowing Jesus to manage and control your life? Here's the practical reason. He knows what's ahead. 
He has a vantage point you don't have. He sees around the corner. He knows what tomorrow's going to bring. Goodness gracious, he knows what next year's going to bring. I really am being more and more convinced we can live life full only when Jesus is fully Lord of our lives. We're not going to live the life he wants us to live unless Jesus is Lord of our lives. And my point tonight is simply this. That's a lordship decision. You make it every day probably. Every time a temptation comes your way, it's not just a temptation decision, it's a lordship decision. Every time you're trying to decide, well, should I do this or do that? It's a lordship decision. Every time your faith is tested, it's a lordship decision. Remember how we began tonight before we even had the prayer time? We were looking intentionally at the life of Abraham. And the lordship decision he had. Now we have a little bit better perspective. God used his life and blessed his life tremendously. But it was a huge lordship decision, wasn't it? What do you do between Sundays? Make lordship decisions every day. You decide every day. In this particular situation, you decide every day, will I allow Him to be Lord of my life? Or will I give in to my human flesh? Him to be Lord of my life today. Not in name, but in daily practice. Will I allow Him to be Lord of my life today? I've just got to go back to a scripture that's very familiar to us because I preached in the book of Joshua not long ago. I think it was during the summer. And you know where I'm going. It's Joshua chapter 24. It's a great passage to end on. Joshua chapter 24. It's interesting when you read this passage that Joshua uses this word Lord. And I understand that the word Lord, when it's capitalized like this, is a name for God. It's the Yahweh God. I understand that. But still, I like this concept that the word Lord is used repeatedly. Verse 14, Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped before the river. And in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers that they served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, at the end of his life, said, Folks, you've got a lordship decision to make. Before he left, before he died, that was the last thing he left them with. That, this thought. You've got a lordship decision to make. As for me and my house, I'm going to make him lord. Not just on, in name, but in daily living. As for me and my house, in daily living, we will serve the Lord. So between Sundays, what do you do? You dive into the Word of God and let God speak truth into your life. 
Secondly, you walk in the Spirit saying, I can't do this on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to enable me and empower me to live out this Word that I'm reading. And then as you dive into the Word and you're asking the Holy Spirit of God to empower you to live out the Word, then you will always be confronted with Lordship decisions. Whether you will allow the Spirit of God to continue His work or whether you allow the flesh to get in the way. You will always be confronted with lordship decisions. Every day we are. Use you this day who you will serve. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We pray with you. Father, thank you for this word and for this direction, this encouragement, these three steps to Christian growth of digging into the word of God and allowing the spirit of God to empower us to live out that word and then facing those lordship decisions of will I really live this way today or will I give into my flesh help us all tonight tomorrow when the time comes and we're faced with a lordship decision help us all to declare you as lord follow your leadership and I pray that in the name of Jesus amen